Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, it's time for Mark and Kitchen. Call the show at 401-737-1287. Southern New England Sports Original. 1037. All right, back here in the Martin Kitchen Show, 401-777-1037 is the phone number. Ben, I got good news for you. Ooh, share it. The Red Sox signed a player. Yeah, they well, I already know about this, and I let's, don't love let's it. Let's look him up. Let's look him up. What's his name again? Lucas Giolito. Giolito. Former White Sox. <laughs> yep. Former White Sox National Let me look him up. Angel. Last year, with um, the Angels and the Tribe, 2-9, Seven oh seven ERA, seventy three strikeouts. <laughs> he gave up how many home runs last year? Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Eleven. But a couple Wait, of years. Uh, oh no! Excuse me. Last year he gave up a league leading forty one. A league leading home. <laughs> he was eight and fifteen last year with a four eight eight ERA. I don't understand. I mean. This is who you come at me with after all the things that have unfolded here in the hot stove offseason, Major League Baseball, the Dodgers, high and bloom leaving. You come, that's your first. I mean, don't even don't even tweet about this. $38.5 million contract. I, I don't I mean, know what. It, it's a weird one because if he's good, it's a one and done. He'll just opt out. I think he's got like yeah. a million dollar buyout in it. Um I don't really like the contract. He's fine if he can go back to what he was for a couple of years there from like 2019 to yeah, 2021. 20, you know, he was a couple of years there. He was pretty good, but this is betting a lot on a 29-year-old. Um, if Giolito is, you're slotting him in to be your third guy, all right, Bayo's your two, and then you bring in Snell or Shoto Imanaga, to be your kind of one, I guess, then yeah. I'm okay with this. But this being the only thing you've done to your pitching staff right now, ugh. I mean, it's good news people are alive and well. You know what I mean? Like, you you know they're awake. Um, but I have a hard time getting excited about something like this. No. I just do. Okay. I mean, that- listen, his career ERA is 4-5. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, he's a 
sub 500 winning pitcher. He's 61 and 62 in his eight years. Like, I, I yuck. As your first signing, yeah. Right. If this is your third or fourth guy in the rotation, cool. Get you 200 strikeouts. He'll be generally reliable. He'll he'll play. He'll start his 30 games. And that's okay as your third or fourth guy. But right now, I mean, it's him or Bayo as your one. And that's just not good enough. I know you're not done, but you've been watching everyone else make moves. Big moves. Big moves. And you've just been telling us, Red Sox fans, that you're not really serious about this anymore. Because this ownership group, who I used to you know, argue with people that it's actually good ownership group, years ago, was good. And was attracting high-quality free agents and would go pay for them. And you know what would happen? We'd win a World Series. Now? It's, it's, it's dire. I don't know how the Red Sox went from basically being a true marquee franchise in this sport, one of the top three teams, you know, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox. Yeah. Throw the Cubs, throw the Cardinals in there. Yeah, but you'd still put the Red Sox above the Cubs and the Cardinals. Yes. They're kind of on their own in this weird, their weird little pocket. You know, not a huge market but an incredibly important, powerful market. And now you're running this team like, I I don't know, you're the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's like, yeah, we can afford one guy, but the rest of them, we can't really afford these other guys. It sucks. It sucks right now. this, This was the quote... Um, uttered by Sam Kennedy as the search for a new GM got underway. Okay, right after they fired High and Bloom. Quote, this is the Boston Red Sox. If you want to run a baseball organization, this is where you want to be. You want to be in Boston. Why? Because it matters here more than anywhere else. Close quote. Okay. The worst part about this, Kitch, and I can't believe we're even at this point, but we used to be able to talk about wins and losses. And I can handle, it's frustrating, but I can handle if the team just doesn't win or can't get it done. You know what I mean? But what I can't handle, and and the biggest sin committed by the Red Sox is they're starting, if not already down the road, of making that quote that Sam Kennedy said completely irrelevant now. It matters more here than anywhere else. It's starting to not matter as much here. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Two things. One, I don't listen to anything Sam Kennedy or Tom Warner says. Okay. I don't listen to anything they say. I'll listen to Henry because he sometimes lets things slip. But even he, over the last couple of years, when he does talk, it's really nothing. They had a golden opportunity here with the Patriots being as bad as they are to capture kind of the winter in a way, because it's the beginning middle of Bruins Celtic season. As much as we want to talk about them, we kind of don't really care because they're good. We're waiting for the playoffs almost, or, you know, deadlines and stuff like that to really get into it. 
they could have been owning these last couple of weeks with big deals and people starting to get fired up about them again because they're pissed at the Patriots. But they didn't. I'm just saying Major League Baseball is obviously a different entity than the NBA, for example. And what the Red Sox had here was an opportunity, and they were, for a lot of years, they were an organization that was a destination for baseball, for baseball players. It was viewed as one of the best places in the league to play. Like what Sam Kennedy said, the fans were ravenous. They filled Fenway Park. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to, but what you're seeing in recent years, um, not only a narrative get out there that the team doesn't care as much, the ownership doesn't care as much, and that they're not in a position to win year in and year out. But you're seeing it at the ballpark too, Kitch. You're seeing how many fans from opposing cities overflowing the stadium and taking over in big series. And we used to be those fans. We used to be that traveling fandom. Yeah. And what I'm concerned is happening is not only are you not winning on the field, you're not putting out a good enough team to even come close to you know World Series contention, mm-hmm. but you've lost the fans' interest and all the magic around, you know, as much as the pink hats and all these things might have frustrated people, it was a part of the Red Sox tenacious fan base and the passionate fan base that even, you know, post-2004, yeah. they enjoyed. And I feel like that is starting to shift and the narratives are starting to shift where that, I don't know, you know, they, they really, well, ca- I, I honestly, Mark, I think you saw it a couple of years ago. Um, was it 2021 where they made the ALCS? Yeah. I mean, people kind of didn't really care until towards the end of September. And it still didn't feel like there was this, you know, fervor for the team as we were getting deeper, deeper into the playoffs. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's at a point now where it, it's going in the wrong direction. From a fan interest perspective, it's going in the wrong direction. And I think a big part of it is because of the narratives that are out there. So blame the media. But the biggest thing is it does appear like the ownership doesn't care as much. It's not a priority that it once was. It felt like to me, Kitch, when John Henry, and and I've been a John Henry apologist, but when they took over, it felt like that was, you know, the priority. They were trying, they took it personal. It was a goal to get the Red Sox, their new baby, over the hump and and break the curse and all those things. Now, (laughs) simply, it doesn't feel like a priority anymore. It feels like just another portfolio or spot in the portfolio. And that's that's a problem. And it's becoming yep. a bigger problem. Yeah. Which is why some of us have been, you know, for the last couple of years begging for them to sell the team. Someone who actually, you know, cares. And the other thing, which I don't know say makes it more frustrating, but it's evident. The answer to any question, you know, the example, the living and walking and breathing example of what you want to be, it's not like it's hard to find. It's right across town mm-hmm. in the ownership suite of the Boston Celtics. The way we, Now, they may or may not win the championship. They might have holes. They might come up short, whatever. But the mentality from Wick Grossbeck, from Brad Stevens, appears to be spot on. Do you understand what? 
the, the way they are approaching the championship pursuit is exactly what every team – that's what we all want every team in this city to do, to look like, to execute. Yeah. That – all in, everything – Anything I can do, anything we need to do, we do. We exhaust every option. We sign whatever we need. We'll spend there. We spare no expense. We will upgrade and replace and, you know, whatever needs to be done, we're doing it. Derek White, Drew Holiday, bold moves, trading Marcus Smart, taking chances, risks, go get, you know, going after it. That is. Well, it, it it seems simply like they actually have a plan. What is the Red Sox plan to just wait for some of these um, uh, minor leaguers, these prospects to pop? What is the plan to continue to wait for Chris Sale to not be injured? What is the plan? And I understand, well, you could say the same thing, Kitch, about the Patriots and the quarterback for, for the last few years. What is the plan? That's usually been a phrase I've I've reserved. Well, for they Belichick. seemingly they seemingly kind of had a plan. It just didn't work out, and that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but there was somewhat of a plan there. It was, hey, we're going to take the last guy available. We're going to work with him. We're going to try and get him to that level and try and you know, make squeak into the playoffs while we have a quarterback under a rookie deal. There was a plan. It just didn't work. And as frustrating as that is, at least you can, as a fan, get behind and go, okay, they knew they needed something at the quarterback position. They just didn't execute the plan very well. When we're looking at the Red Sox right now, we go, I don't, what is your plan? What's your plan with the starting rotation? Who's going to be the number one pitcher on this team? Who's going to be the quote unquote ace? What is the plan? I don't have an answer for that. And I just, you know, the the other thing that frustrates me is that in Major League Baseball, especially when you have the financial resources that the Red Sox do, you can essentially buy your way back into contention anytime you want. And on top of that, Kitch, it's not like the cupboard is positively, absolutely bare with the Red Sox. You know, they had an offense last year that at times – was more than representative. I thought at times they were a playoff caliber offense. And you've got some thump. You've got some uh, promising younger guys. You've got some guys that can produce. You, you, you can, if you want to be, you don't have to be that far away if you can go out there, get aggressive, and know what the hell you're doing and sign some guys that can fit in here and produce. But they just don't want to. They just, I, I don't understand. And then the one move they make, and, you know, we were kind of having some fun with it, but that's the move you make. That's the big one you come with, you know, to really announce your presence. Lucas Giamato, Gilotto, whatever his name is. Giolito. Okay. It was, you know, not a terrible pitcher. And if he is one of two more pitchers they signed, all right, I feel okay. But as we stand right now, that's your big free. That and Tyler O'Neill are your big free agent acquisitions. And I wouldn't blame baseball fans for going, who are those guys? You're a baseball fan. You barely know who Giolito is. 
it's incredibly frustrating because you're right. This team isn't the bottom of the barrel of the league. They're not what the nationals were last year, the Royals, the, you know, the, the A's or the um, Rockies. No, you're five, six games under 500. You're not 20 games under 500. You're not 30 games under 500. You're not in some cases, 40 games under 500, like the A's. They had five now you're less... in a difficult you're in a difficult division. Didn't they have five less wins than the National League champions? Uh they had like five less wins than the Diamondbacks last year. Six. Six less. Six less wins. Okay. Yep. That's it. You're not super far off, but you're not nearly close enough where Giolito being your big signing puts you any closer. Correct. Correct. Let's talk to JP in North Providence. Hey, JP. Gentlemen, first off, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, JP. Uh, quick question first about the Red Sox. When does Alpadugo bobblehead night? Do we have that date yet? Because you know the Red Sox will still do it. They probably got 50,000 bobbleheads right for a guy they traded. That's how bad their planning is. <laughs> the thing that gets me the most upset with the Red Sox, I don't care that they didn't get Otani, this guy, that guy. You got Bogart, sign him. You got Mookie Betts, sign him. You got a stud DH, sign him. Thank God we say kept Devers. You got those four guys, you're in the playoffs. You already had them. And have somebody call Eckersley to call the Red Sox. They call Sale and said, look, end of the career, I'm going to make you a closer. It works for him. We know he's going to break down. Just do it and say, look, you want to stay with the team? You're a closer. You're in the bullpen. Because we know he's breaking down because that's their plan. We're getting him back at the trade deadline. The problem is there's no stars to sign anymore. We made a move. Great. We made a move. But what else? Who's back endeavors up? Nothing. There's no plan. You're right. You're right, JP, and it's incredibly frustrating because it seemed like even years, uh, you know, we'd go through the offseason and be like, this is weird, but there was a plan. Like, if you go back to 2013, it was, you know, signing high-quality guys for short-term contracts, right. one or two years, um, that, you know, weren't upper echelon guys, but were fringe all-star types, the Napolis of the world. Right. That There was a plan there. To have your, you know, benchmark player and David Ortiz and Dustin Pedroia and then surround those guys with, you know, quality, not superstar talent or cheaping out and saying, no, we got to pay these guys so we can't. There was a plan. We didn't understand it at the time, but it worked out for them. What you see now, there is no plan. They're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. And they're getting scraps. Yeah, and the worst thing is it just feels like they're be, they're building, I don't know, a, a culture or an expectation that they're never going to have enough, that they don't have enough. The Red Sox, no, they don't have enough. They don't have the talent. They don't sign the guys. And it's sort of becoming a trend or, or a, I don't know, identity, if that's not being too dramatic. I don't know if it's there yet. But it, it feels like it's it's getting there. It's building that momentum. And as a result, the fans are looking the other way. The fans aren't as interested. It, it, you bet your ass the players are going to feel it. And I don't know if it affects on-field performance or not. Um, 
But that was the that was the problem, Kitch, for a lot of those years in the '90s and and earlier. It was like a foregone conclusion. You just knew the Red Sox were somehow going to find a way to blow it, to choke, to get. And now I feel like we're kind of going back down that road where it's a. That's the identity. Not good enough. Not aggressive enough. Not going to sign guys. Not enough talent. That's becoming the mo of the Boston Red Sox again. Like in the '90s and before the curse was broken, the mo was lovable loser good not great always the bridesmaid never the like whatever the cliches are that's what it's feeling like let's talk to matt and warwick go ahead kitch no no go ahead matt that's fine i'll bring it up let's get matt and warwick in here quick before we have to go to break hey Hey, matt hey hey guys how you doing hey how you doing um i don't want to go too much into how much i dislike the brass especially sam kennedy um but here's here's what i think is really the problem and hopefully this new gm that's a pitcher can solve this this mystery um, obviously, starting pitching is very expensive once you go and get them in the free agent market. So let's count them on one hand. Uh, John Lester, Clay Buckholz, and now Brian Bayo is, is the only pitchers that we have cultivated from the from our farm system, like realistic starters. And that's where you have to mm-hmm. really start. And from what I understand, they didn't want to do that because of, like, of the signing bonuses and stuff. So I don't know. Measure how much you have to spend in signing bonuses when you're drafting a top pitcher versus going out and spending – there's money on, on, so, on starting pitchers. Like, yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt it, gets, it gets more frustrating when you take a look at it and look at the draft and go, how many shortstops did you guys draft over the last high, you know, high draft picks, high round draft picks on shortstops? And kids, because your quick. philosophy was, hey, if they play shortstop, they're typically the best athlete. We can move them to other positions. Okay, you that's can't fine. You same right. guy. That's not a real no. plan. Real quick, Matt, just on that point, yeah. kids, the shortstop thing. That's also, and I see what you're saying about the athlete, but that's also at a position where you essentially won four championships without a stud. I know Xander Bogarts was there for the 18, but you won with who? Orlando Cabrera and Steven Drew and Julio Lugo? It's not like yeah. you had A-Rod and you know Jeter all those years at short. Sorry, go ahead. Well, Matt. that used to be the old model of a shortstop, right? Just really defensively solid, you know, not, not big bad guys, but... You know that what, what, what you guys just described is exactly what they were doing, and with no plan, and playing guys out of position in the major leagues, which is also just a recipe for disaster. So they have to get their head on straight and figure out what they actually want to be, and that's what Dave Dabrowski did so well. It's like this is what we are, this is what we're going to do. But uh, thanks, guys. Bye. All right, thanks. So yeah, glad least... Matt brought up that name because I've been holding it and sitting on it, waiting for it. There were so many people that were frustrated with Dombrowski. He's killing the farm system. He's stripping it bare. Oh, my God. Like, we really care about what's going on with the Woo Sox or the Portland Sea Dogs. No, you care about what's going on with the Boston Red Sox. And he put far more interesting teams on the field than what you've seen the last two years, three years. You wish you had Dombrowski back. For all those people that were upset with him about stripping the farm system down, yuck. So it feels like, Kitch, what what we had was Dave Dombrowski was operating as if, now I know you didn't like, not you, but people didn't like whatever. The narrative was he was killing the farm system. He was disregarding the prospects. and just What it seemed like he was doing was just doing anything he needed to do to enhance the major league product to try to win a championship. If that meant spending money or trading prospects, he was going to do it. And it felt like now, based on what we're looking at, John Henry and the ownership group was 
essentially saying, uh, enough of this. We're not going to go all in. We're not going to do whatever it takes to win championships. We're going to just get a guy in here that we can control and that can manage the budget appropriately. That's what it looks like is happening now, which obviously (coughs) isn't good enough. No. All right. For a ball there. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. When we get back. Okay. We're going to get into football. Bill Belichick talking about his all-time team. And Mark may or may not survive the commercial break. Um, But that's what I want to get into next. Who should definitely be on Belichick's all-time team? Outside of the names he mentioned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 